This is the one I've been waiting for. Oh. Days of Future Past. This is for the X-Men aficionado. This this sequence is is really the pinnacle of the of the X-Men series. You as a, a young Professor X uh, meeting up with uh, well in the comic strip it's not Wolverine but uh, Kitty Pride I think is the yeah one. Kitty Pride's the one to get sent back yeah, yeah. in the the are you are you a fan no of X-Men yeah. <laughs> Do you, wait, are you, wait, do you, I'm a 51 year old man. <laughs> what you think I sit around reading comic books? Yeah, just why didn't they use Kitty Pride? I was just surprised by that. That's all. Uh, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the Uncanny X Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam, and my name is Jeremy, and we're here from the future to tell you that this is Uncanny X Men number 141. The January 1981 issue, which was published in October 14th of 1980, and it is titled Days of Future Past. And I want to say, first things first, if Jeremy says Days of Futures Past at all in this podcast, you have to drink. Oh, darn it. I was going to kick it off right away and be like, Adam, are you sure you don't mean Days of Futures Past? <laughs> That's one. You have to drink a fastball special. Listener. Oh, I, we should have fastball specials mixed up for this particular podcast. We should. We should have all sorts of things. Adam, have you seen the movie yet? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Wasn't it better than you thought it was going to be? Oh, my gosh. Didn't that, that one thing with the Sentinels just blow you away? The Sentinels were so amazing. I couldn't believe they made a Sentinel out of Peter Dinklage. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> What was with the the sentinel with the giant schlong that like attacked everybody with its schlong? Yeah, that that really came out of left field. I, I was kind of I brought my daughter to that. I mean, what is the definition of PG thirteen these days? There is no definition. Obviously, we have not yet seen the movie, but we're releasing this on the day of the movie, so you should listen to this and then go see the movie. Well, now that you're saying that we're going to release it on the day of the movie, probably something's going to happen. Oh, Adam, Adam. You're jinxing us. Your lack of faith disturbs me. I am trying to unjinx us. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, on the cover of this, I mean, the cover really needs no introduction. Anybody who's anybody who's an X-Men fan knows what's on the cover of this issue, but for the uninitiated, it's a... It is uh, the classic of classic X-Men covers. Mm-hmm. It's a Wolverine, an older Wolverine, and a Kitty Pride in front of a poster full of... Uh, apprehended and or slain X-Men. Actually, to the unknown reader, it is some lady. True, because they, this could be their first issue, and they're like, who are these two crazy people? So, I mean, you know, presumably they know who Wolverine is. On the uh, cover, we've got slain Cyclops, apprehended Colossus, apprehended Storm, slain Nightcrawler, slain Angel, slain Iceman, slain Beast, apprehended Sprite, apprehended Magneto, Something Quicksilver, I guess, behind Wolverine's head. A slain uh, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Wolverine must be still at large. A slain Banshee. Uh, a apprehended Havoc. I'm going to guess that between K Kitty Pryde's leg is Polaris in some form or another. Who do you think is behind Wolverine's right leg? Who's left? Um, It looks like Forge. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to read the writing here. Oh, there is something down there, isn't there? There, there is some writing. It looks like an, it looks like Aurora, but it's clearly not that. Well, Storm's already in there. What other mutants are left? Who are we forgetting? Are we forgetting? Uh, is it Proteus? 
No. Well, I mean, I guess it, it could be Blob. It could be Eunice. It could be uh, Mastermind. It could be a ton of different people. But eh, just something I thought of as I was looking through this. Like, you can make out just about everybody except for that one person. Well, kudos for you for figuring out that was Polaris. Well, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> it would make sense that Polaris would be next to Havok. And, hey, uh, if, if you, the reader, have any idea who is in the lower left-hand corner, let us know. Yeah. Uh, especially if your name happens to be John Byrne or Terry Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Why has Wolverine got a pistol? That's a good question. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. That That is the cover. Attention, you are now leaving a controlled zone. Ooh. Forbidden. So we open up this book. It's a Chris Claremont, John Byrne, writer, co-plotters, and artist. Terry Austin is inking, Tom Warzachowski is lettering, Glenna Sween is coloring, Louise Jones is editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And I'm going to skip right to the punchline. We are in the war-torn future. Welcome to the 21st century. Oh, yeah. Uh, an older lady, not older, it's Kate Pride. It says it right here. She's got some medical supplies, and the reason that we know that they're medical supplies is because it's a red box with a red uh, first aid plus on it. This used to be the one of the swankiest neighborhoods in the city, if not the world. Yeah, and it is just, it is in shambles. It's crumbled. It is. Although somehow the signs that say Days of Future Past still have managed to stay up. <laughs> it's interesting that somebody decided to hang that on the side of the building. It was very kind of them. It's like something somebody knew something. Uh, Kate Pride thinks to herself that this is rogue territory, which begs the question, where's rogue? She's not in this issue at all. Maybe that's who's in the lower left-hand corner. <laughs> Could very well be. This is the last place on Earth that Sentinels would expect a mutant. And apparently she is going to meet Wolverine for something. Some sort of rendezvous. She's walking around, everything looks okay, but then she falls through a trap door and she's like, No, it can't happen, we're so close. That's when the rogues show up. Hey, sugar. <laughs> I'm gonna kiss you and take your powers. No, it's like, apparently rogues are the name of the gangs, and uh, these guys, these guys are somewhere. They're in a tier of humanity at this point. Uh, the only thing that they hate more than sentinels are muties. So I guess these are just humans that are just living in the crossfire. It's strange. This guy's got a mohawk and a uh, some tribal feathers. He's he's going for an American Indian sort of look. And there's a guy behind him with like a pimp hat. Yeah. These these people do not belong together. No, it's it's a very odd gang. I'm guessing it's three different factions of gang that have uh, combined forces to take these medical supplies. You're going to be a long time dying, Muti, says Mohawk. <laughs> that's that's his name. <laughs> Kate thinks to herself that uh without her uh, inhibitor collar, she'd be able to phase through objects, but right now she's just a normal woman, so she has to resort to her physical training. So she kicks him, not quite in the nuts, but in the stomach. It's a gut shot for sure. Robbo, George, grab her! I'm gonna flay this muty witch alive, he says, with a tear coming down his face. Yeah, that must have, that kick must have hurt. And if you notice in the previous panel, the previous to the kick panel, we see a little, we see the shadow of a man entering in the background. Oh, we do! That familiar winged hair. You know what? I've read this issue probably five or six times. This is the first time I'm capturing that uh, that little silhouette you're talking about. 
<laughs> I'm not very attentive to the imagery. So it, it does. It turns out to be Wolverine, and he's like, no, you're not, bub. He's standing over Rabo and George, who are both now unconscious. You're going to release the lady just like she asked. <laughs> Who's going to make me short stuff, you? Nobody gives Big Alex orders on on his turf. You want the woman, old man, then you come and save her. Three guesses as to why they call him Big Alex. Um, do I really get three? <laughs> you only need one. Um, because he's got a big toe. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's his giant toe. Uh, in the he so carries a big stick. You could call it a big stick, I suppose. Wolverine he resorts to also physical attacks because uh, he he says he thinks to himself that if he retracts his claws, that would tell the Sentinels that Wolverine's back in town. Right. So I guess if those Sentinels happen to come across these rogues and they notice the telltale claws they would be like oh well the rain is back <laughs> i i took it more as like if he uses his mutant powers um that would be that would like send off a signal to the sentinels how does wolverine not use his mutant powers that's a good question because wouldn't he be constantly healing yeah so either way i'm not i'm not really sure i do like the nice touch here though he's wearing some leather gloves and he's got three little claw rip marks in his his gloves so he's popped his claws at some point with these gloves on he's uh he's he's not quite as talkative as usual back in back in the 80s he would be saying my the with my retractable adamantium claws that are laced to my skeleton but <laughs> no he didn't he doesn't have time for that right now <laughs> uh, i just want to jeopardize the mission which is why he doesn't use his claws but he's still able to take out these goons and uh, meet up with Kate. And... Okay, Kate. I'm fine, Logan. But cause this close I can live without. I know what you mean. Come on, let's roll. So we find out here that Wolverine is now in the Canadian Resistance Army. Yep. Along with Vindicator, eh? Yeah. They're co-leaders of the Resistance, don't you know? And he is delivering to Kate the last component of the jammer. We find out that uh, this issue of the Sentinels is pretty much a North American issue. But if the Sentinels move out of North America, the other great powers will launch a full-scale nuclear strike. Yes, it's true. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the the crux of the biscuit. So it's not, it's just the, uh, it's just North America. That's kind of in ruins. The rest of the world's kind of watching like, Hey, Hey, we don't want your sentinels. They don't seem to be doing a very good job. The crux of the biscuit. You never heard that phrase before. No. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. Last week it was, what was it last week? It was, uh, uh, kitty wampus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll tell you. Anyways, <clears throat> This module of the jammer is invisible to the Sentinel sensors, so she shouldn't have any problems smuggling it into camp. And uh, later tonight, he is going to break Kate and her buddies out. They will be waiting. So this is one of the coolest panels, uh, and I talked about this before when we did our little Days of Future Past speculation podcast, but she takes the Uptown Express tram to the Bronx, and if you just read that, you're expecting like some sort of electronic or, or maybe electromagnetic tram that would take you from 
the ghetto, maybe to a high-tech sentinel camp. But no, it's a horse-drawn bus. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I like that touch a lot, which really just says, like, crap is broken. Like, the sentinels are probably able to power themselves, but there's no gas. There's no maintenance. Like, civilization is, is essentially crumbled. I wonder if they'll pull that off in the movie. I want to see this scene in the movie. <laughs> if this one scene is in the movie, I'll just be like, all right, whatever else happened, I don't even care. It was awesome. Interesting. <laughs> Anyways, so you get a scene inside. It's a looks like it's a lot of people um, with various labels on them. H. Right, we get oh, right. H for baseline human, clean of mutant genes. They're allowed to breed. A for anomalous human, A. Normal person possessing mutant genetic potential forbidden to breed. And then M is a mutie. Bottom of the heap. Pariahs made outcasts by the Mutant Control Act of 1988. Hunted down and with few rare exceptions killed without mercy. Breeding like rabbits. <laughs> and I think, I think it says it's a quarter century later. And 25 years later, and plus we get a dialogue here. It's 2013 when all of these events are taking taken uh, events are, are taking so place. So this was last year. So this is days of future past. The future is our past. Days of past past. <laughs> uh, so you remember when the Sentinels took over, Adam, and we all lived underground yeah. and took horse-drawn buses was to work? cool. <laughs> so uh, Spider-Man, is Spider-Man anomalous? anomalous? Uh, Spider-Man's dead. Well, I know, but would he wear an H, A, or he wouldn't wear an M? Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't possess mutant genetic potential. I mean, he's he was bitten by a radioactive spider. He's a huh. superhero. But I don't know. He he would probably he would probably fall into the A category just for lack of having a category. You'd think that they would make another category for like Fantastic Four and Spider Man and those types of folks who were you know mutated by well yeah they're essentially mutants. They were mutated by radioactivity and other elements well as we learned they just kind of killed them all off yeah <laughs> so kate shows up at the south bronx mutant internment camp and uh sentinel alpha three wonders why she was behind schedule i was attacked by rogues sentinel alpha three i escaped that caused the, de the delay encephalo scan indicates truthful reply you may pass so they have little tooth detectors on them yeah, it's very handy. And so as she walks back to the camp uh, after she was exhaustively and intentionally humiliatingly um, examined, so... So they must have like done like a full body strip search sort of thing. So God knows where she's hiding this scanner, whatever this device is. Uh, the jammer device. Well, it's not device. detectable by the Sentinels, so she, was, she wasn't even hiding it. Oh, Sure. She's holding it in her palm of her hand while they're doing these horrible uh, examinations to her. Right. Okay. So the, the she has to walk past, or any anybody who's entering the camp has to walk by a, uh, a big, big area of graves. As always, the first thing she sees is the cemetery. As always, there's a fresh grave. Duh. And in our first panel, the, cem the, the, the graves are, you know... About body length apart. <laughs> yeah. And in the second panel, they're right up to each other. <laughs> yeah. There seems to be a perspective issue. Either that or somebody wasn't quite paying attention to to the perspective of the previous panel. But, yeah. We just wanted to get some names in there. We got Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, Susan Richards, 
Charles Xavier, Lorna Dane, Reed Richards, Scott Summers, Bobby Drake, Warren Worthington, Kurt Wagner, Hank McCoy, and Peter Parker. Is it Peter Parker or Pietro Maximoff? That's Peter Parker. All, right. All you can see is like the P-E and an A. But after the A, it looks like an R to me. Yeah, it doesn't you're look right. like a... Uh, and besides, at this point, they're Pietro and Wanda Frank. Ah, okay. Well, Peter Parker it is. Um... So she walks by, and she's all lost in thought about the victims of the Sentinels. But, you know, somehow they were all her family, even though some of them she didn't know. Yeah, it, would, it seems as though, the uh, to, to answer your previous question, the superheroes, they just killed them. Yeah. I'm not sure why they kept the mutants alive. I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, World War II internment. Like, they've got these mutants running tasks for them. Like... What's in this medical box? Like, why would the Sentinels send out Kate Pride to get medical supplies, presumably for mutants inside the internment camp? Interesting question. <laughs> Especially when, like, a Sentinel could just fly over there, get whatever he needs, and then fly it back. <laughs> Interesting. Chris Claremont, I believe I found a plot hole in your story. <laughs> this is a bit. This is all completely unnecessary. And besides, this... I mean, uh, not to make too many parallels against World War II, but, I mean, the Nazis kept the, the Jews alive so they could, like, do menial tasks for them, like build ammo, sew blankets, and all that sort of stuff. The Sentinels have zero need for these mutants whatsoever. That's true. <laughs> so, anyways. This is this is more like District 9. Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. I like to go with that parallel because, well, that doesn't make any sense either because at least with District 9 it was like, we're going to keep them alive because they're they're living beings, but we just don't want them intermingling with everybody else. Or maybe that's what the Sentinels want to do. I don't know. Sentinels are wacky, a wacky bunch. You never know what they're up to. Maybe. No. Maybe. Maybe they're studying them. But I think we learned later that they are absolutely not studying the mutants. <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> moving on. So, Kate... Uh, uh, meets up with the remainder of the X-Men, uh, plus... All the X-Men who ever were, only four remain. Logan, Wolverine, Kate, Sprite, Aurora Monroe, Storm, and Peter Rasputin, Colossus. They, along with Franklin Richards, last survival of the Fantastic Four, and his lady, Rachel, a telepath, telekinetic, comprise the core cadre of the Anti-Sentinel Resistance. Why are the Sentinels allowing the Anti-Sentinel Resistance to live inside of, like, a Sentinel ghetto? Well, obviously they don't know they're the anti-Sentinel resistance. Sure. I would hope. Huh. Okay, fair enough. That's but this, of all the X-Men who ever were? Come on. Well. You shouldn't say that, Chris Claremont. You know that you're going to create more X-Men. And, and, and plus, where's that guy that could be all the original X-Men? Who? Oh, the Changeling? No, no. There was that, there was that guy who has all the powers of the original five. Super Adaptoid? No, he was a mutant. He... No, he wasn't a mutant. He was altered. What was his name? He was the... Uh... <sighs> but I thought he died. Well, he did die, but he comes back. Oh, <laughs> okay. But does he come back uh, in canon before this issue uh, is released? No, he doesn't come back in canon. Oh, well... Before this issue is released. Yeah. He was dealing with the with the lore that he had already created, or that had been created in front of him. He probably should have said it taken the who were ever taken out because i have to imagine that in his like 20 issue tract he probably has another mutant that he wants to introduce it should say of all the x-men who ever were up to this issue 
Only four remain. Maybe it should have been, of all the X-Men Kate was ever close to, only four remain. Well, again, that, that doesn't work. Who else did she get close to? Well, she gets close to Rogue, let's say, for example. I don't think she really does, to be honest. Um, Either way, close to somebody else. It's less declarative than whoever works. That indicates that there were never, ever any more X Men ever. Period. Finito. All right, we're arguing semantics. <laughs> yes, we are. All right. We anyways, just lost like five listeners. <laughs> they're like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Do a funny voice. Uh, sorry, I'm late. I ran into a rogue pack. They ran into Wolverine. Okay, that was the funny voice. So she's got the <laughs> module, and uh, Midnight Phase One will be complete. How normal we make it! Uh, uh, how normal we make it sound! Yet what we contemplate is so fantastic. I still cannot believe it's possible. Now we had a voice for this next character. Do you remember what it was? Yeah. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> That's just. Uh, oh boy! Now that I'm on, I can't do it. <laughs> That's strange talk, Peter. Like, why does he call him Pietor Alexandrovich? I have no idea. Is there... Okay, spoilers for this issue, but we learn that Kate and Colossus get married at some point. Is it Russian custom for them to, like, do a mixy-matchy last name, even though this has no pride in it whatsoever? (laughs) I have no idea where Alexandrovich comes from, and I don't know that we ever will. We we certainly don't find out in this issue or the next, but uh, that's my only guess. Unless... well. Is Alexandrovich his middle that's name? A, that, that's very to talk, Peter Rasputin, coming from one who's uh, seen what you, you what, what done you have. No, because uh, seen, seen one who's seen uh, you and and done what you have. You, yeah, <laughs> that's a. I, I believe uh, Colossus's middle name is like Nikolaevich or something like that. So I'm still stuck on this. I don't know where Alexandrovich comes from. Listeners, write in. I have been a simple man, old friend. More farmer in my soul than superhero. Magneto! I cannot shake my doubts. So, Magneto is friends with the core four X-Men who are left. If there were any alternative, Peter, any alternative, we would uh, take it. But uh, if we do nothing, by tomorrow the world will be at war. uh, And by the day after tomorrow, the world will be dead. Uh, So what are we going to do, you know? (laughs) So Magneto's like an Italian Jew now? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Although it wasn't, uh, he, he, yeah, whatever. I thought he was born in Germany. Was he? I thought so. Oh, so he should have a, like, I'm just trying to, <laughs> the Italian is accidental. I'm just trying to go for the Jewish. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll come with time. Got it. Magneto points out that so much depends on Rachel. And uh, she says yeah. that, she won't fail. She's been meditating all day. Once the jammer's operational, we can start any time. Then what are we waiting for, says Kate? A moment, my wife. Says, what? Says Colossus. That's where we, we learn that they were married. As I said, I have doubts. Can our mad, desperate plan work? More importantly, should it? We are toying with the basic fabric of reality. And if we succeed, what will happen to us, to our love? It might cease to exist along with the Sentinels. And Kate points out that that's a risk that they'll have to take. The love of two Does the love of two people matter against the lives of a billion? I am selfish. It matters to me. I am now much better with words, by the way. 
Uh, Kate points out that if their love was meant to be, it will be again. Uh, and this time it can be in a world where their children can grow up free and unafraid. The Sentinels killed my friends and they killed my my babies. Wow. This is heavy. Yeah. She point she says that if uh, changing the past can even change or uh, has the slightest hope of saving them, she'll do whatever it takes, uh whatever the cost. They love each other and they they do a kiss. She lifts her off the ground. Kate says that uh she has loved Peter since the moment they first met. Oh. Well, I wonder how long that'll last. Well, Magneto rolls into apparently the uh, anti-sentinel room. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a mattress on the floor. (laughs) Franklin. Franklin's making the final adjustments on uh, some device that I think is going... Oh, that's going to jam the inhibitor collars that they're wearing. It's an inhibitor collar jammer. So inside the room, uh, they'll be as strong as they ever were um, for as long as the thing is powered. Um, Does Franklin have an M on his jacket? he does. Well, he should. So he's he's a, Franklin's a mutant. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know that. It's. I think it's been said in Marvel uh, canon or lore or whatever that generally the offspring of altered humans are mutants. Generally are mutants. Hmm. Because they've got messed up X genes or whatever. I guess that makes sense. And I think in the pages of the Fantastic Four, Franklin is kind of like this kind of pretty powerful young guy but doesn't he's, he's like five and can't control his powers so well, yeah definitely definitely yeah. franklin has done some pretty amazing stuff but i never realized it was because he was a mutant i yeah. just thought he was like a superhero <laughs> ah, tomato tomato <laughs> so kate lays down on the mattress and she's relaxing uh rachel it says that it's time to breathe it's time to relax let your mind become one with mine uh, and our minds one with all. We get a psychedelic blue and red panor- panel as she spins through time and space. Before she knows it, Catherine Pride Rasputin is entranced, her soul flung out across the abyss of eternity. What happens next is anybody's guess. Well, we, we, we don't have to guess because we know what happens next, as in Not the next really. page. <laughs> And Friday, October thirty first, Halloween, nineteen eighty. It's uh, it's it's the coldest, or the closest rather, hardest fought presidential election in recent memory. Um, but the uncanny X Men, they're in the danger room, uh, and they're they're working on their skills. It's no place for the uninitiated, such as Kitty Pride, the newest youngest member of the team, and she's about to find out why. So we get another uh, cold, hard date. Yeah, yeah, locking it in, locking it into place. They stop doing that after a while. Yeah. <laughs> after they realize, like, these characters are, like, 70 years old by this point. <laughs> Kitty, what are you doing in here? Uh, Nightcrawler sent me to tell you that he got held up in the kitchen, but Storm, the door was unlocked. <laughs> Kid, that flaming door is always unlocked. So, Angel is dodging some darts that are shooting at him. Storm's dodging some green plasma rays. I don't know if Colossus is pushing against this thing or if it's pushing against him. And Wolverine's attacking a buzzsaw robot. And Kitty stands and watches. Sprite, use your phasing power. Turn around and walk out through the wall, says Angel. 
and flies towards her. Well, it's no good. She's too rattled, so she can't use her powers because she's freaked out. Hang loose, kid. Angel will take care of you. That's when Wolverine realizes, but wait, Angel, if you do that, the computers are going to go after you and therefore go after Kitty Pride. So don't do it. And that's when Buzzsaw Creature cuts off one of his uh, little uh, Batman cowl things. <laughs> yes, one of his little pyramid things off of his cowl. Now, don't his, doesn't his hair fit into that? I don't know. So shouldn't he from now on have like a slight haircut? <laughs> yeah, maybe he does and we just don't know it. Kitty, pumpkin, hit the deck. What? Why? Oh no! And there's some missiles or uh, I guess darts flying at her. Storm saves her by sweeping her up into a tornado, narrowly pulling her out of the way. Colossus takes Sprite. Everyone else, try to reach the panic button. I'm canceling this session. They really should come up with a better way to stop danger room sessions than the panic button. Like maybe the panic word. <laughs> yes, a safe word, if you will. Like danger room, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Negative. Or maybe just stop. <laughs> so Colossus is running away from the thing that was pushing up against it, uh, running towards Kitty, but... He realizes that if he catches her in his armored form, the impact might smoosh her. So he turns into his fleshy form and catches Kitty. But as he does that, the pile driver, the thing that he was pushing against, is now coming right towards them. And they're going to get splatted. Luckily, Nightcrawler bamps in and presses the panic button. Talk about your dramatic interests. It seems I teleported here in the proverbial nick of time. Whew. And you see the panel here that Kitty and Colossus are barely saved from the pile driver. You could say that, friend Kurt. Are you all right, Kitty? Storm wants to know where Nightcrawler was. He, she knows that it was his turn to clean the dishes, but she, he should have made it to this training session. Nightcrawler's like, there are a lot of dishes. What do you want? If you guys wouldn't make such a big mess, maybe I wouldn't be washing for such a long time. <laughs> uh, oh, and I was also watching TV. Hell Professor is on the TV talking about mutant hearings in Washington. I lost track of the time. I'm sorry. Don't do it again. And you, young lady, are never to come through that door when the warning light is on. Nightcrawler, who already knows that Kitty's kind of freaked out by her, decides to make his creepiest demon pose at her and say, Don't be harsh, Kitty, or Storm. Kitty's first schedule or training session is this morning. Um, That's not a creepy demon pose. It's a friendly demon pose. No, he's got like a creepy, like he's hunched over, hands he on her back. to look creepy. He just does. I mean, he's trying to look friendly. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm sure her eagerness got the better of her. And then he uses a little bit of German. Nicht wahr. Which I think we've heard before, but that means... Not true. Kitty? Um, oh, yeah, Nightcrawler. Sure. Stop touching me. <laughs> Stop looking at me so creepily. <laughs> I'm 13. So the X-Men adjourn to the Danger Room Control Center and... Uh, now it's time to run Kitty through her paces. She's still angry around you, Kurt. Yeah, Wolverine, I tried to break the ice between us, but nothing works. From strangers, I don't mind that reaction. From an X-Men, a friend, a fellow, it hurts. Be patient, Kurt. She has so much to learn. 
Sprite, this is Storm. Begin whenever you wish. All you have to do is walk across the room. Don't sweat it, pumpkin. It won't hurt much. <laughs> she thinks to herself uh, that she knows that the room is on low power, but she's she's scared. Yeah, and she closes her eyes and she begins walking across the room, turning on her phasing power. So she doesn't even see all these little punching bags that are flying across the room through her. Metal coily tentacles. The floor drops out from underneath her and we get a little description that not only can she phase through solid objects, but she walks on like a thin uh, layer of air molecules when she's in her phase. So she's not truly walking on the ground. In a sense, she can kind of float. Right. And then the pile driver thing, it comes out to, it would normally squish somebody, but she just walks right through it. And the X-Men in, in the observation room find this hilarious, especially Wolverine. He's like guffawing. I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> Charlie spends weeks programming the room for Kitty, and she beats it with her eyes closed. Man, oh man, I wish Xavier were here. I'd give anything to see his reaction. That guy's a dick. Back <laughs> to the drawing board, I think. So, Kitty wonders how she did. Storm confirms that she did splendid, and that's when she gets zodded with a bolt of reality, which twists inside and out. We get the the similar effects that we got of Kitty traveling back through time. Uh, same color scheme, same kind of red circular layouts to let us know, except this time it's red instead of blue. They reversed the coloring. And I bet you if you had like a pair of old school red and blue 3D glasses, it would look like Kitty was jumping out at you. No. No. Okay. That's not how that works. One one could hope. <laughs> Fine. If, if, they, if they did it in the, with a 3D effect, yes. But they didn't. Yeah. She, she comes face to face with herself, an older, sadder, wiser, stronger self. And then her soul, too, is flung out over the abyss of eternity. In her mind, she screams... In reality, she drops without a sound. As does Aurora and Peter scream, Kitty! So they run down there. Or actually, uh, Storm orders Nightcrawler to teleport down there and find out how she is. Breathing. Thank heaven. Her pulse is strong and steady. There's no sign of any gross injury. She looks stunned, Aurora. Uh, impossible. We'd have seen uh, the stun beam... And besides, I shut down the room's system the moment she reached the door. So they're thinking that this was some sort of an attack. So they order uh, Kitty, or they order Nightcrawler to take Kitty to the Medi Lab. This is a weird panel of Wolverine in the corner. Yeah, he's like we just get him from the eyes up, furrowing his brow. Looks like he's rushing somewhere. John Byrne wanted to draw more, but he was out of page. <laughs> Damn it. The Medilab. I've got to get off this panel. <laughs> uh, if my kitten is hurt or crippled or worse, no, I dare not think of that. She's all right. She has to be. So they According to the biosensors, Kitty's fine. <laughs> Nightcrawler all of a sudden changes into Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> then why did she collapse? Storm is very concerned about this. Easy, Storm. Crawler said the kid's okay. And he's a doctor. Not a circus performer. Okay, physically, fly boy. 
but I'm getting some weird readings from the electroencephalogram. So that's the second use of the word encephalogram. <laughs> this issue of X-Men is brought to you by the word encephalogram. Uh, and it's weird that out of all of these people, they got Wolverine running all these controls. <laughs> uh, I ran comparisons between these and the ones in Kitty's Medifile. The basic pattern is the same, but these are more complex. Maybe Charlie or Moira McTaggart can puzzle it out. This is sure way beyond me. I don't even know why you guys sent me over here. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I, 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 this might actually be a TV tuned to Channel 3. I, I can't tell. Ah, uh, the patterns are different. <laughs> I'm not sure why. It's definitely different. Wolverine, you are looking at a stock chart. Ah, oh, beats me. <laughs> One thing is certain. Something has happened to Katie, but if it was an attack, and if from whom? Or are we simply letting our imaginations run away with us? That's when... Kitty wakes up, and uh, she says, Who, Kurt? He says, Aha! Kleine Fräulein. Our little miss is awake. Kurt, it's really you. Alive! And she's very, he's very surprised, because up until this point, Kitty has found him very creepy. But this Kitty is very, like, happy to see Nightcrawler. And he makes one of his patented funny John Byrne faces. Yay! <laughs> Whoa! Of course I'm alive. What else would I be? I'm in the Medilab in the mansion in Westchester. Then I made it! Kitty, you aren't making sense. Lie down, little one. Rest now. And that's when Kitty attempts to explain everything about how she's from the future and Rachel sent her back into the past. She gives us a lot of plot about the presidential candidate, Robert Kelly, uh, who is assassinated by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Along with Charles Xavier and Moira McTaggart. Kelly's assassination sets off a motion, a sequence of uh, events that 30 years from now will culminate in the destruction of the world in a nuclear holocaust. And that's what she is here to prevent. Wolverine thinks to himself, she looks like a kid. But she stands, talks, moves, smells like a woman. Crazy as it sounds, Rora, my instincts say she is talking truth. Kitty, or yeah, Kitty says that, uh, look, I know what I'm saying sounds crazy, but you really can't afford to take this chance if Senator Kelly, Charles, and Moira are in danger. So they head off to Washington, and they figure as long as they're there, they'll take Kitty with her and have uh, the professor scan kitty to determine the veracity of her story apparently there's no blackbird because they have to borrow angels uh one of his private, private jets. jet yeah where was this private jet when they were uh all young teenagers running around well he he hadn't uh acquired the family fortune yet ah got it his parents were stingy <laughs> so on the plane, they talk a little bit more about the sequence of events. Um, Kelly's a decent man. He feels that there's a, a he feels that there are legitimate concerns about the increasing number of superpowered mutants in the world. The Brotherhood kills him to teach humanity to fear and respect the power of Homo Superior, but instead mutants become the objects of fear and hatred. And then in 1984, a anti-mutant candidate with no name was elected <laughs> vote me and, i hate uh, mutants <laughs> yay no mutants mutant control act which is uh cut down as unconstitutional but 
regardless, the administration responds by creating sentinels. Uh, and these sentinels are given an open-ended program with fatally broad parameters to eliminate the mutant mittens once for all, which they determine the best way to do is to take over the country. And Not the, the world, just the country. Yeah, well, in the process, they destroyed not only mutants, but non-mutant super beings, both heroes and villains by the turn of the century. So they got Beast, Scarlet Witch, Cyclops, Angel, The Professor, Nightcrawler, Iceman, Thing, Daredevil, Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, who's got no superpowers, The Vision, who's an android, Doctor Doom, Human Torch, Black Panther, The Hulk, that I find hard to believe, <laughs> Sue Storm, Reed Richards, and Ghost Rider. That's a weird person to put there. And he's in the lower left-hand corner. We need, he's like all alone. Like, we need one more hero. Let's, who should we put in there? I don't know, Ghost Dazzler. Rider's no, bad. let's put Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's like, ooh. <laughs> Why am I down here? The North American continent was completely under their control. They'd fought, they'd lost, they died. And now seeing you all alive, oh God, I didn't think it would hurt so much. For a while, there are no sounds in the jet's cabin other than the jet itself <laughs> <laughs> i like this next panel uh not really anybody other than nightcrawler but nightcrawler looks like he's like really deep in thought and like oh my god there are serious ramifications out there for the actions that we have yeah the rest of the world became more frightened of the sentinels than of mutant kind they threatened war with the sense if the sentinels moved against them the sentinels driven by the prime directive are about to make that move one of the surviving X-Men is a telepath. She devised a plan to psychically exchange the mind of one of us in the future with our counterpart in the past. Yeah, that's... What? I was going to say that's that's pretty thin right there. What's that? Well, like, how does that work? I don't know. <laughs> Part of telepathy. That we can psychically project personalities through time. Why not? It's just a dumb sci-fi story. Leave it alone. I know it's a plot device, and I know that this is one of the most like regarded stories of X-Men canon, but come on. <laughs> like, Kitty was chosen because at this time, Kitty had not been trained to defend herself against a psychic attack. And that that's good. That I agree with. That makes perfect sense. But I would have been even happy with, you know... In the early 2000s, Reed Richards invented a machine to do this, but I don't know. Well, you know, we don't we don't know this Rachel character. Maybe she she has just some amazing abilities. Fair enough. Fair enough. The slogan for the mysterious 1984 president is America. It's 1984. Do you know what your children are? Spoilers, in 1984, when we're reading comics, we will see the same phrase used in uh, promotion for creating a mutant character in the Marvel Universe. Mm. Yeah. So meanwhile, in 2013, New York City, we've got Wolverine. Last year. Yes, last year. Wolverine, Colossus, uh, Rachel, and Franklin. Uh, Colossus is carrying a passed out kitty uh, running through the sewers. Or the subway tunnels, rather. Now, presumably, young Kitty is in the body of old Kitty at this point. Yes. Unconscious. I hope she remains so. The less Kitty knows of what has happened to her and what may happen to her, the better. I wish we could have brought Magnus. I mean Magneto. 
Sorry, I let that slip. <laughs> hey, everybody. Magneto's name is Magnus. Maybe. Mm, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that I'm I'm curious how that whole thing shakes out. Because for the longest time, I thought Magneto's name was Magnus. I think for the longest time it was. <laughs> All right. Um, he says he knew, or Wolverine says that uh, Magnus knew what he was doing. Uh, he volunteered uh, to cover up their escape. Plus, his wheelchair would have slowed them down too much. Oh, by the yeah. way, Magneto was in a wheelchair, if we didn't mention that. Oh, yes. Oh, well, yeah, I've been in a wheelchair for so long. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what am I going to do? Why don't you visit? Uh, that sound above us Franklin says it's sentinels and that's when he gets disintegrated arg Franklin all units alert patrol 3L40 has contacted mutants escapees from South Bronx internment facility mutants you are advised to surrender or face immediate termination this is your only warning Franklin he oh storm help me when he died I felt it in my mind well, Storm says, don't yield to it. We still need you, so give up. And so she does not. She blasts the uh, the Sentinel with a telekinetic attack, which knocks him out. One down, a few more to go. Yes. Two, two more to go. They go in triads. That's what they call them. Storm attacks one with some lightning bolts, but the lightning bolts only stagger the Sentinel because he's too well insulated. This will change as the issue progresses. <laughs> yes. Well, they're, they're adapting. They, they adapt, you know. <laughs> they adapt away from being insulated. <laughs> they Well, it's a different model. They adapt and de-adapt. Wolverine <laughs> calls up for a, spas, or a fastball special. Everybody, quick, take a drink from your fastball special. I'm not sure why uh, Colossus says hola. <laughs> it is kind of weird. Hola! Wolverine, it has been a long time since we practiced a fastball special. I would like a Corona. <laughs> Too long, pal. And he pops his claws and there's no Snicket. Where's the Snicket? He says, as Nightcrawler used to say, up, up, and away. What? When did Nightcrawler <laughs> used to say that? I think he said that like once. <laughs> and as I used to say, Wolverine's the name, Mayhem's the game, butter. <laughs> <laughs> Muzzles clench, synapses close. And gleaming adamantium claws pop out of the backs of Wolverine's hands silently. These retractable claws are forged of the strongest metal known, one far stronger than the Sentinel's omnium steel bodies. Omnium? The hell is that? It's it's a metal that's weaker than adamantium. This is this is here we're gonna drop a little new fact for y'all. Likewise, his entire skeleton is laced. With that same miracle metal, making his bones virtually unbreakable. Add to that is Berserker Fury that gives him the fighting prowess uh, of a score of heroes. So, first appearance of laced bones that are virtually unbreakable. It's true. Yeah. Ne- don't worry, next issue they'll be back to adamantium bones that are unbreakable. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. Squark! He cuts the, uh, well, it looks like he just cuts a piece of his head off of the it would be cool if he cut his eye out it would have been cooler if he like dove right through his head yeah it wouldn't make any sense but it still would have been cooler this unit is critically damaged but still functional mutant assailant identified as wolverine has been captured termination imminent storm i've given you an opening 
finish this futzer. <laughs> so then she lightning bolts the wound uh, in the wolverine, or in the wolverine, in uh, the sentinel's head with a lightning bolt, and uh, or or rain. I don't know, one of the two. And uh, uh, this lightning bolt should reduce the sentinel's computer brain to so much slag. Way to go, darling. That seems to be Wolverine's catchphrase: "Is way to go." He says that a lot. Colossus and Rachel zapped the last one. Three down. How many million to go, comrade? Is coming or company is coming, my friends. Another triad patrol, which Colossus takes out by destroying an entire building and having it topple over. This is this is quite a feat of uh, uh, architecture here. I mean, he has to like go at the direct correct angle in order to get this building to fall over well i mean it's a he says if i hit this derelict hotel precisely right so one could say that it's probably already somewhat structurally unsound from other damage that's occurred but i like the way it's drawn it, it kind of reminds me of uh you remember in x-men 3 when the juggernaut's just like running through walls mm-hmm. well it's less stupid than that but it kind of looks like he's doing that to one of the support walls uh, on the side. And so when he does that, that causes the building to topple over. What does this sign say? New for 1985. Old. Old. Smoke. <laughs> Old smokes. <laughs> I don't know. Old smells. I, I thought, oh, new for... Ni- so, so wait a minute. New for 1985. Are they saying like the world stopped in 1985? Why would there be a 1985 poster in 2013 when we've already... Oh, wait. So... I guess when they did the Sentinel plan after 1984, they immediately decided to take over, and that's when probably stuff stopped. Yes. Okay. Neat. So the buildings collapse on the Sentinels, and uh, the robots' screams are frighteningly human, but Colossus does not care. He was the gentlest of souls until the Sentinels slew his friends and his children and thereby taught him how to hate. So they're pushing on to the Baxter Building, which is the Sentinel's uh, Continental Nerve Center. If they destroy that, they can cripple the Sentinels. I wish Kate luck. Wherever she is, I do not know who will need it more. Her or us. Switching back to 1980, we find ourselves in Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon. And inside the Pentagon, we find a young woman named Royven Darkholm who apparently has earned a lot of respect within the Pentagon. She works out of the office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Research and Development, and as such has access to the most secret and sophisticated weaponry in America's arsenal. She's earned her position and her complete trust of her superiors. So she has been here for a long time. I wonder, is that the name she uses, or Raven Darkholm? Wouldn't she use like a... Like a different name, like, I don't know, Victoria Hand or something? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if Raven Darkholm is her real name. I assume it is. Well, I think it is. But, I mean, if she's... That's, that's, that's how she was introduced in Miss Marvel before she was... They gave her the name Mystique. Was she this kind of black-haired woman with glasses? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe... But, but she was also a shape-changer, so, I mean... They, they they presented her as Mystique, but I just don't believe they called her Mystique yet. Okay. I have no idea. I mean, maybe she maybe she doesn't have a criminal record, and she's like, well, I mean, it's too difficult for me to create a fake identity. I mean, they need social security numbers and all that sort of stuff, so I'll just use my Raven Darkholm name. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Fair enough. <clears throat> a mutant better known to her comrades as Mystique. 
and she walks. So apparently in one of the basement rooms of the Pentagon, she has a room in which she has noted felon the blob drinking whiskey. Yes. <laughs> we also get introduced to Pyro, who controls who controls Living Flame, Avalanche, whose touch crumbles any solid objects, creating an irresistible avalanche tidal wave effect with earth, stone, steel, or anything. Destiny is a blind precog with the ability to see the future. The only member of the Brotherhood, Raven calls a friend. Good morning, all. I trust these accommodations meet with your approval. No, no, no. She's more. She's got to be more like. Um, well, uh, really, she's German, so. Good morning, all. That's more like Colossus. But I'm thinking uh, in my mind, she's uh, Natasha from. Well, she's Russian, but Natasha type deep female voice. With a German She's accent. Baroness from the G.I. Joe cartoon. Even better, but I think the Baroness was also Russian. Good morning, all. I trust these accommodations meet with your approval. Yeah. That's glasses. <laughs> but but you're on the right target. Somehow you got to get the high voice in with that. Good morning, all. I trust the accommodations met with your approval. No complaints. How <laughs> nice. Destiny, what does the future hold? It's hard to be certain, Raven. See, she's old. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be hard to do. She sees a new random element that could uh, severely affect their plan, and she's been trying to focus on it. Also, the blob isn't comfortable with your leadership. There is a potential for trouble. Blob? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, hey, Ray, you helped me bust out of the joint. You had me, you got me threads, bread, a classy plaid. For that, I'm grateful. I just don't take orders from a broad. Well, la dee da, Chunky. You think you can do better? Nope. He's a, he's a Union Jack, so you got to get your Cockney English accent going for him. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't think of how to do one. Oh, uh, a Union Jack. You got to get some Monty Python in your head. <laughs> well, lordy da, Chunky. No. That's a nice parrot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Irish. Well, lordy da, Chunky. You think you can do better? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, blow it out, your Union Jack, Limey. So he's lighting up a cigar. He's got a match that's uh, lit. There's a little flame on there. And then the match took to a massive flame creature. I can't even think of how to do an English accent now. Not that it would be good, but... Watch uh, watch your mouth. Nope. <laughs> and remember your place. Nope. Or next watch time... Watch your mouth and... Re- nope, that's an expansion. <laughs> uh, man. Doctor. Think Doctor Who. Crikey. Watch your mouth and remember your place. Or next time you light a match, I'll create a demon that will pair broil you instead of scare you. It's not good, but it's a start. <laughs> I've taken all the lip I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I've taken all the lip I'm, from you I'm gonna English man Fred J. Dukes ain't no two-bit amateur I was part of the original brotherhood I worked for Magneto Avalanche chimes in if that was such an honor blob how come you spent the last few years in prison by the way why were you in prison remind me were you a baby because we can't remember <laughs> that sculpture Avalanche you disintegrated it. A minor demonstration. Uh, you of my power. To bash this guy's head in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I don't need no hunk of rock to pulverize this punk. That's, uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's enough. All of you. You're correct, Blub. I am not Magneto. But cross me in any way, and you'll find I can be as implacable and as deadly a foe as the master of magnetism ever was. I don't know where I'm going with that at all. It really sounds like, um... It's uh, like Miss Peggy. <laughs> sounds like Mrs. Doubtfire to me. <laughs> oh. Oh, it was a drive-by fruiting! I'm, I'm really trying for a baroness. <laughs> now, prepare yourselves, mutants. The time has come to strike. Yeah, I can't do it either, but it's in my head. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, we're at the United States Senate, uh, uh, there, which has been described as the greatest deliberative body on Earth. It has seen noble times and shameful ones. It has epitomized the highest ideals of humanity and the worst realities. Today, once again, it and the people it represents are being put to test. Senator Kelly is giving a speech about how mutants are scary. Mutants are scary! <laughs> <laughs> and we will put it to a vote now. Flesh of our flesh, blood of our blood, yet possessing powers and abilities which set them apart. Some would say above the rest of humanity. There's a woman in the backdrop, maybe one of the committee members. Kelly's laying it on a bit thick. So what else is new? Joe Biden says, so <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Got his bow tie on. <laughs> I don't... So then, uh, yeah, among our witnesses are Professor Charles Xavier, world-renowned expert on genetics, and Moira McTaggart of Edinburgh University, whose work on the field has won her a Nobel Prize. If you ask me, Charles, that sod's already made up his mind. Registration of mutants today, gas chambers tomorrow. Now who's laying it on a bit thick? <laughs> Be charitable, Moira. He's scared. We must teach him that his fear is unfounded. Oh, coming through the door. It's, uh, it's my X-Men. Peter, Aurora, and Kitty at best. I don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> I've all of a sudden <laughs> turned into uh, a foreigner of some kind. Peter, Aurora, and Kitty, I'd best contact them telepathically. Hmm. Storm, what are you doing here? Is something wrong? Yep, you might say that, Professor. He says, look, we're running out of pages, so open up your mind to me, child. Your memories will explain everything I need to... Good Lord! <laughs> What's happening? Some newscasters outside catch wind of uh, Warren Worthington, who everybody knows is a mutant. They try to tell Laura, Lois, presumably Lane, to get an interview. <laughs> Could be. He used to bankroll the West Coast superhero group called the Champions. Senator... In all honesty, I fail to see the need for this hearing or of your concern, says Moira McTaggart. The need is simple, Dr. McTaggart. In a world of wonder... Oh. <laughs> I merely wonder if, in a world of beings like Dr. Doom, Magneto, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and Lord knows how many others, there's any place for ordinary men and women. I wonder as well, Doctor, if this same question wasn't asked by the last Neanderthal about the first Cro-Magnon. Come on, who cares? <laughs> Holy! The wall's cracking behind them. Get out of here, people. Run for your life. That wall's coming down. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man busts through and says, I'll show you what Cro-Magnon did. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> and when the avalanche has run the course, we get to see Avalanche's dorky costume. I like Avalanche's costume. Really? It's not, it's not the worst. It makes him look fat. 
I don't know. I, 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 it, of all the costumes in the Marvel universe to pick on, that like that's that's not the one I pick on. It just it just makes him look fat. An apt question, Senator. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and one with its own answer. For we all know what the first Crow Magnon did to the last Neanderthal. Do we? Um, presumably killed him. I don't know. Or ate him for dinner. <laughs> also, these these guys are going to have Senator Kelly for dinner. That's their assassination plan. Yep. Did, were there Crow Magnons live along uh, with Neanderthals? Oh, I don't know. Hell if I know, too. That's why I'm thinking, like, we don't know any of this. But I get the analogy that they're trying to put forth. Destiny's outfit is awful. The prop okay. is pretty lame. I'm I'm cool with I'm cool with a blob. Yeah, and this is pretty much the costume that Blob will have forever. Uh, Pyros well, will get an update. Didn't he, didn't he have purple pants or a purple shirt or something? Yeah, but, well, that's because every villain had a purple piece of piece of clothing in the past. The problem I have with Destiny's costume is it's kind of like a one-piece bathing suit with high boots and a cape. But the woman's like 80 years old. Why would she have like this big bust and like smooth, shapely legs? Shouldn't she be like hunched over and have like like just a bunch of wrinkles? And at that point, wouldn't she look in the mirror and be like, oh, I can't wear this. And she would just have like a dress on. <laughs> and like, what good is she? She's an old precog, uh, uh, an old precog. She should be like sitting back in the car with like com links to all these people saying, oh, step to the left, step to the right. Oh, look out. Here comes Wolverine. I feel like uh, John Byrne should have done this page first. Yeah. Because this, this could have been a very dynamic and interesting page, but it looks like he ran out of steam here. This last page does look like it's phoned in, because it's like, we're the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants! And it should be, like, splashy and everything, and then these next two pages of them, like, getting ready to battle should be awesome, but they're not. <laughs> they're They're really quite lame. Uh, yeah, the second to last page is Avalanche and Wool or uh, uh, Blob being shot by a bolt of lightning, and not much detail in the background. And the last page is just there's problems with the perspective. I don't even know where they are. Are they outside? Are they on the roof? Are they in the Senate? Like, there's no chairs. There's no walls. There's no paintings. There's not even a like a delineation of where the floor ends and like <laughs> the background starts. You know what I mean? You have those as separate pages. What are you talking about? The top two panels is one page, and then the bottom panel is another page? No, that's just the bottom panel. Oh, because you described it as the second-to-last page, and then the... Oh. Well, I meant to say second-to-last panel. Okay. I was very confused. I apologize for that. I was like, oh, do we go back? Anyhow, <laughs> it's it's not a very good last panel. The, the, the first meeting of these two teams of mutants. Who did that? We did, Comrade Blob. We are the X-Men. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Except for that wing bozo, you sure ain't no X-Men I ever met. That's right, Fatso. We're better. Hey, Angel says, I'm right here. Yeah, it's like, my costume was designed by Magneto. <laughs> Is this the one? I thought the blue one was designed by Magneto. Well, the blue one. I mean, it's the same costume. It's just red instead of blue. <laughs> yeah. Well, you the got... design is the same. It's just red. It's like, it's not Magneto's because it's red now. I really <laughs> liked his design, even though he's a bad guy. Good Sorry, fashion sense. It's red. <laughs> If you mean to harm Senator Kelly Mystique or anyone here, you'll have to get through them, or you'll have to go through us to get to them. That storm would be a pleasure. Kill them. Well, that was pretty good. If you just get a little higher, I think you'd, you'd be dead yeah. on. That storm would be a pre pleasure. Kill them. <laughs> it doesn't work when I go high. Yeah, that's a tough one. 
Next issue, Time Out of Mind. Remember that. Yes, remember that. <laughs> Whew. Boy, those extra pages really add on to the length of the comic book, I'll tell you. They sure do. All, what, four of them? <laughs> Was it four extras? Well, it seems like there's more story there. but uh, Five, five extra pages. A a good first chapter of the Days of Future Past saga, even though I nitpicked on a few things. This is, this is good stuff. Heck yeah. It's gripping. This is classic sci-fi, some good old X-Men setup. Flipping back and forth between the two times and realities. It's neat. Yeah. It's totally out of, you know, out of chronology with the rest of the comic. It just kind of like falls into place and you're just like, whoa. We're getting thrust right in the middle of something awesome. I remember when I was first collecting comic books right around 1984, 1985. I certainly didn't have this in my collection uh, ever. But a friend of mine is like, boy, I wonder how much my X-Men number 141 is going to be worth in 2013. And I was like, 2000? That's Oh, you can't even fathom that. I'm going to be like 30 <laughs> plus a bunch of years. <laughs> Oh man, what uh, you know? There's going to be flying cars and jetpacks, and here we are. <laughs> Damn oil companies keeping us down. <laughs> nah, hey, we got iPhones. We got our what? We got iPhones. Eh, I suppose that's that's it's a sad runner up to uh, flying cars, but but I'll take it. I mean, that's that's about as cool as it gets. We got face talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. True. I was thinking, like, if you you take an iPhone back to a kid in 1985 and say, use this, they'd be like, I don't mind breaking, don't understand. Probably not. Cons- but if you could show them face talk, they'd be like, whoa. Can I watch TV on a watch yet? Almost. It's just not as cool as you'd think it would be. It's going to be really little and dumb. <laughs> so, anyhow, um, we, got, uh, we got a letter from uh, yeah. P- Peter Watson. We haven't heard from him uh, in a while. He says that uh, he, he's caught up with our podcast uh, in his latest... Er, um, he points out that in our latest episode, we said that X-Men issues number 140 through 142 were not reprinted in classic X-Men, uh, but yet they were reprinted in a large format uh, bookshelf uh, version, probably called Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Probably one of the first ones, too, because I recall back in that time, they didn't... Well, no, by that time, that would have been like 1989, 1990. Well, they were doing a bunch of those by that point. With an afterword by Louise Simonson talking about the story and the breakup of the Claremont Byrne team, she finishes by saying, But their dual vision, their future history remains. Its seeds are in the past. Its reality flavors of the present. And the future is almost upon us. Those words are still true, 25 years on from that reprint. Except that now the future is our past. <laughs> That's right. I would actually be curious, because I, I mean, I don't have that reprint, but I'd be curious to find that uh, Louise Simonson letter, because I'd be curious to hear more about the breakup of Claremont and Byrne. Anyhow, he also says that we forgot to mention, and this is not more of a forgetting thing, but lack, uh, lack of um, knowledge on the topic, but in X-Men number 130, one of the punks in the foreground uh, was uh, the Joker, who was drawn how Jim Aparo and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez drew him 
in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, I saw that panel and I kind of thought, yeah, that's sort of jokery, but I guess I didn't really connect it. Anyway, he uh, he also posted the panel on our Facebook. So yep. if you, good listener, want to see this panel, it's there now. That's like a super Easter egg. I mean, I, I'm not – I like Batman. I've seen a lot of the Batman animated movies, certainly seen all the movies. I've read a handful of comic books, but – um that I would I would I would say oh that's Jokerish but I would never be like oh my god <laughs> it's the Jim Aparo Joker what's he doing here but I could see how somebody else would be like this is awesome so it reminded me of the Joker from that Alan Moore Joker story I think it was the Killing Joke or something really but yeah I, I did read the Killing Joke and in the Killing Joke he was very white and large smiled and very thin necked and he, he yeah. Did, Quite, he, this one actually kind of reminded me of Cesar Romero from the 60s, 6 uh, Batman. Really? Kind of. Just because that Joker, they couldn't do like the giant mouth. I mean, he had to work with what he had. Hmm. But but not like, but that's it. But only after uh, Peter posted the picture and said, this is the Joker. I was like, okay, okay, kind of, maybe. <laughs> Anyways. He says, keep up the good work and looking forward to the Days of Future Past in the cinema, in the X-Men reread, and especially in our podcast, Cheers. Thank you very much, sir. We're doing a Cheers podcast? Yes. (laughs) They always know your name. (laughs) And somebody's glad you came. I'm going to continue bitchering this. Until someone stops me. Oh, well, let me stop you, Adam. Do we get any other emails or notes or anything? I don't think no, we did. No, I think, I, think, I think that's it. So uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you should do so at X-Men uh, pod. What, what are we? Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room podcast. Uh, the Twitters, we are at Danger Room Go. You could also go out to the uh, iTunes and type in Danger Room under the podcast section. Search for Danger Room, pull us up there. You can leave us a five-star rating, or you could leave a comment uh, on there as well, or subscribe. Or you can go out to www.xmenpodcast.com, where just about all of the links are already there for you for subscriptions and commenting and downloading and all that great stuff. Uh, Or you can actually listen to us on Stitcher. I hear that's a thing these days. All the kids are doing it. That's right. So get in on it. It's it's like a radio station that you make for yourself. (laughs) I wish I got paid to say that, but I didn't. (laughs) Anyhow, um, yeah. So Adam, did you uh, did you do any additional reading? Uh, Avengers one or no two o three came out at this 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 same month. And it was a Beast and Wonder Man story in which they, uh, I'll try to be brief, they discover a race of creatures living in the sewers underneath Manhattan. Hmm. Hmm. But not the Morlocks. No. Uh, they're called the Crawlers, and they are creatures that live without breathing air. And scientists developed them but couldn't figure out how to do it, so they just illegally dumped all of their chemicals into the sewers, which happened to work. Huh. There's a weird kind of story where some punks try to kill them and a kid who has befriended them ends up dying. But at the end of the story, everybody disappears, making us wonder if the story ever actually happened at all. It's kind of weird. I'm going to go with it didn't happen. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. So that's all. Oh, that's all you read? 
There's only there's only one. No, all right then. Well, on that note, uh, the danger room is closed. <laughs> a little delayed on that. <laughs> I was trying to think of a clever way to wrap it up. Did you forget your line? No, I just wanted to add more to it, and then I I failed. Marching on and time is still marching on. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner, and now it's even sooner. This day will soon be at an end, and now it's even sooner, and now it's sooner still. Than you've ever been 